Hello and welcome to another episode of the Crash Course on Sex for Christian Couples podcast. This is a podcast based on a book of the same title that I wrote and published. In this episode, we'll be dealing with what I believe to be the true locus of sex, the mind. I believe that sex is a mind game. And what I mean when I say this is that sex really happens in the mind. This is where sex originates before it is made manifest in the physical and we partake in it with our physical um, beings or our physical bodies. Now, when I talk about sex, I talk about sex in the context of marriage as I titled my book, A Crash Course on Sex for Christian Couples. The context within which sex is spoken about in this podcast, this episode specifically and any other episode, is marriage. And the reason why I do this is because I myself find myself in marriage and I also am a Christian. So the perspective or the worldview that I have is Christian. It is based on biblical principles and also a biblical understanding of how and what marriage should be. I think if I spoke about marriage in any other context or in any other form other than this, it would not be relevant because I wouldn't be a relevant voice in that area. I'm speaking about something that I neither have the experience in nor the expertise or the authority to speak about. So this is the backdrop on which we are working. Now, the reasonable follow-up question to my statement of sex being um, located or the true locus of sex being the mind or the fact that sex happens in the mind, the reasonable follow-up questions to the statement would be, firstly, what is sex? And secondly, is what do I mean when I refer to the mind? Now, sex, as I do go in greater detail in my book, sex is defined as the physical activity of sex. I know that sounds like a circular definition, but this term is usually used to refer to sex in which a man inserts his genitalia into a woman's genitalia. And there are other forms of intercourse. It's also referred to as intercourse sex or sexual intercourse. And there are other forms of intercourse that are referred to as sex, such as oral or anal sex. This is basically what is meant when we refer to sex. It is the touching, stroking, or stimulating of genitalia, usually or hopefully by mutual consent. Now, my personal view of sex, that is, what is, what it is and its purpose is for a man and his wife to serve each other pleasure in a loving and mutually beneficial way. So that is my view on sex. If I was asked, sir, what statement would you give concerning the purpose of sex and what sex is? My answer would simply be sex is for a man and his wife to serve each other pleasure in a loving and mutually beneficial way. And that would be my response to the follow-up question on my statement that sex is a mind game. 
when asked what is sex, that is how I would define sex. The other question that I mentioned earlier is that of what I mean or what I mean, yes, when I refer to the mind. Now, the mind, on the other hand, um, refers to our psyche. In the book, I present a diagram of the trichotomy of man. And the trichotomy of man is basically a description or depiction of how man is a three-part being. And that is the mind, the body, and the spirit. And in the mind, we have three components. And these components are the emotions, your intellect, and your will. The emotions are firstly a biological reaction to external situations and the fun thing about these is that all emotions are created equal now what i mean by this is that anger much as it is perceived to be a bad emotion quote unquote is as good of an emotion as happiness because the idea is that they are all reactions to external situations and that they are likely to be um, destructive when they are not put under control. So for an example, if you are constantly chasing the feeling of happiness, that can actually destroy your life because life is not linear. On the other hand, if you are given to being controlled by your anger, then you are also headed in a path of destruction because you're going to act out of anger and do things that you wouldn't necessarily do if you were sober. And you may wonder how being happy or excited can be destructive. That is an example of how it can be. If I constantly chase happiness, then I'll get myself into life-threatening situations just to chase happiness. This could be seen in people who use drugs recreationally. And the point is that all emotions need to be kept in check because one cannot be controlled by emotions. Remembering the fact that emotions, technically speaking, are biological reactions or yeah, biological reactions to ex external situations. So you can't be controlled by as a reactive system. Emotions are important, by the way, because they add flavor and variety to life. The other element in the mind is the element of intellect. Now, intellect is the ability to think logically and understand things. Now, this may seem out of place in a sexual discussion because many people perceive sex to be this spontaneous eruption of passion and erotic energy. It is not. Actually, sex is more premeditated than you think because if if i can make an example for you uh, of this if you and your wife aren't on speaking terms or you and your, and your husband aren't really um, on speaking terms because you're disagreeing over something or you recently had a slight altercation on on a particular issue how likely is it for you to enjoy a steamy sexual um, um, encounter with the person that you've recently just had that altercation right after the altercation? The answer is not likely at all. In fact, it is unlikely that 
anything sexual would happen after a disagreement unless disagreeing is what you guys use as foreplay i don't know about that but typically speaking it is impossible for you to engage sexually right after a disagreement now this should tell you something that because the disagreement um automatically signals to each of you that neither of the two wants anything to do with connecting with each other without consciously thinking about it you have premeditated the fact that you are going to avoid sex likewise when the relationship is flowing properly sex is always yours for the taking provided of course you're in the correct environment and other factors align but this is because at the back of your mind you have premeditated the fact that it is a conducive environment for sex and your relationship is flowing and therefore sex is something that is very much a possibility there are many other examples that you can lay out concerning how your intellect plays a role in sex and in the book i go into greater detail on how this element of our mind is uh, quite crucial in creating a great sex life now intellect is quite vast and the summation of it is for you to approach the area of sex by becoming knowledgeable and this is probably a theme that is evident throughout the book the book itself is a per, uh, in pursuit of putting out knowledge and insight on the area of sex and it's important for us to become knowledgeable and knowledgeable about sex as an activity knowledgeable about our spouse and how they perform in a sexual context and outside of a sexual context because it really is impossible to separate the two and the way you will be able to think will change when you become knowledgeable in fact the way you'll be able to think logically about your sex life's current state and understand it better is going to be affected about affected by how much you know so this way you can make the necessary changes to improve it or maintain it if you are at the level um that you already want to be in but it all calls for you to become more knowledgeable and becoming more knowledgeable is not just a case of feeding yourself with any kind of knowledge but also learning to become more discerning about the knowledge that you consume and its probable effects in your life a great rule of thumb in my experience is to interrogate your wife's emotional and relational needs in the area of sex because a lack of sex is usually an indicator that she needs attention in these areas and this one is for men specifically from one man to another when you see a lack of sex in your relationship in your marriage relationship interrogate how well you are doing in serving your wife's emotional needs and if you're a woman a great a great place to start is to check how well you are treating your husband if sex is becoming the lack of sex is becoming something of a norm in your marriage just check how you are treating your husband and whether or not he feels that you respect him because guys are always perceived to be so thirsty to get laid that their craving for respect and honor is forgotten i don't believe there's a man out there who's willing to engage 
with a wife that is disrespectful to engage sexually that is with a wife that is disrespectful because i would argue that a man who has a nagging disrespectful and condescending wife will likely gravitate to an affair with a woman who shows him respect and honor now this this example of an affair doesn't absolve the man of the area of the era of adultery but it shows us that what he needs most or what men need most is respect and honor and if that is not being satisfied in the marriage people tend to look elsewhere for that to be satisfied this is not um a get out of jail card to say if my wife is not treating treating me well then i should look elsewhere but rather an illustration to help us understand the importance of respect and honor coming from a wife to a husband and emotional attention coming from the husband to a wife to make a conducive environment for sex the last element that i speak about in the book as well when i speak about the three part man the trichotomy of man and the mind specifically within that three part man is that of the will so i did cover the intellect i did cover the emotion element of the mind the last one is the will and the will is our ability to choose our actions and this is an interesting part of our minds in so far as it relates to sex because fundamentally mankind's will is flawed by sin however the redemption and rebirth in christ ushers us into a renewal of the mind by us subjecting our will to god's will and god's will is love the word says god is love and in 1 corinthians 13 love is described as not being selfish so in a sexual in a sexual context both spouses assuming their position as christians are yielding to god therefore yield to his design for marriage and the family and in this way they seek to serve each other and meet each other's needs including sexual needs which both men and women have by the way because there's also this misconception that oh men are just thirsty for sex men want sex men want sex news flash women are also um big in their desire for sexual intercourse another key aspect about sex being a mind game having covered what the mind is and defining what sex is the key aspect about sex being a mind game is knowing your spouse in the book i refer to the phrase um and adam knew his wife now in old english the bible used to refer to um a particular biblical character uh engaging sexually with their spouse and say so and so knew his wife which is the bible version of adam and eve got it on and things got frisky now embedded in this phrase is the idea that sex is preceded by true knowledge of the other the question is how do we get to know each other and this is something that i deal with in the book in various forms but the point is that this this is a phrase that we throw around in the initial stages of the relationship we say oh we're just getting to know each other and the modern day version of this is sometimes casual sex for some people which is wrong but i believe that truly knowing your spouse requires a couple of things and 
once you get in touch with those things, you'll begin to truly know your spouse. And when you truly know your spouse, it is easier for you to have them make a habit of you knowing them in the knowing sense of scripture when it says Adam knew his wife. Now, the things that you need um, or the things that are required for you to truly know your spouse is first, you need to become a better communicator. And what this means is, is that you need to get better at aligning your spouse's thoughts with your thoughts on any and all subjects. Because the purpose of communication is to transfer whatever knowledge, whatever idea I have in my mind to the mind of the person I'm communicating with. And it must occur as clearly as it occurs in my mind. That way, I've achieved the true purpose of communication and I've communicated as effectively as I could. This is not to say you should think the same way as your spouse, although that could be a plus. But what what I, I mean to say is that what you say to your spouse should be interpreted and translated into the exact same thing that you intended. And this is where understanding your spouse's love language becomes important because a part of being a good communicator is transmitting messages in a way that the recipient of those messages will best understand them. There's no point speaking to a Japanese guy in Isizulu, especially if they don't understand it because they don't get the message. Because the thing about communication um, is that uh, it needs to be understood whatever i'm uh, whatever i'm saying needs to be understood in the way that i intended it but the nice thing about communication in a marriage relationship that is enduring is that it gets better with time so that is the first thing that is required for you to truly know your spouse you need to become a better communicator the second thing that you need is that you need to prioritize getting inside your spouse's mind. Now, our early breakdown of what the mind is can be telling of what this means. Because, I mean, you should be obsessed with understanding, firstly, the emotions, the emotions of your spouse, i.e. their biological reactions to external conditions. The second thing is you need to um, prioritize getting up to date or getting a better understanding of their intellect and this is their logic their understanding of things for an example the love language and then lastly you need to be au fait with their will how they navigate choices using their intellect and emotions this like becoming a good communicator communicator takes a lot of time but you need to be willing to invest that time and the payoff is so worth it because this is not just time spent doing the same thing in the same place like watching tv or a movie because i i i've got a belief about watching a movie if i go to cinema and watch a two and a half hour movie with my wife i've not spent time with my wife what i've done is i've spent time being in the same place as my wife doing the same thing only doing it individually Now, time spent that I'm referring to here is time spent in conversation. Time spent sharing ideas, sharing your feelings, and sharing your thoughts. Now, this is 
The second thing that you need to do, you need to prioritize getting inside your spouse's mind in order for you to truly know your spouse. The third thing that you need to do for you to truly know your spouse, and this is a is a is a great segue into the most um, reasonable question to ask at this point is, how can I facilitate or have a great conversation? Because I'm I'm talking about time spent is time spent in conversation. So you need to spend time in conversation. And that's the third thing. I, I have some tips to help you in this area because what I've realized is that the quality of conversation in a marriage tends to dwindle in relationships over time. For an example, most couples admit to the fact that they spend hours and hours in conversation at the initial stages of their relationship, partly because of excitement of a new relationship in part also because they were so keen to know each other better. And this soon changes over time with more responsibilities coming their way and a lot of things just shifting in life. So it's also changed by their comfort in in saying, I know my wife or I know my husband, not realizing that as humans, we are dynamic and we are constantly changing and growing and developing ourselves so the idea that knowing your spouse is important should give us an indication that we always should stay uh, current with the changes that take place because that is part of knowing our spouse i mean our taste our preferences our our ideas these things change over time so we need to um, run just to stand still effectively and there are a couple of questions that I can help you, that I can share with you to help you become a better communicator, to help you become better in conversation, which is the third tip that I'm, I'm giving you for you to truly know your spouse. Now, these questions are questions that are good in facilitating conversation. These are questions that can start conversation they are not necessarily questions that you should ask in a particular order or at a particular time, but it's questions that really do start great conversation. And the first of these question questions is, I know I keep mentioning firsts and first, you'd really have to read the book for you to get the full value of this. But the first question that you need to uh, get in the habit of asking the first of three questions, rather, I call these three daily questions. They can help in, in building great conversation is asking what made you laugh, firstly, and also asking what made you cry, and also asking what made you think. Now, why these questions are great in facilitating conversation is because they appeal to at least two of the spheres of the mind. Laughing and crying appeals to the emotional element of the mind. We remember we said the mind is um, emotions, intellect, and will. Now, both are laughing and crying, that is, both are reactions to external occurrences in, in different directions. The laughing is, okay, responding favorably to something. The crying usually is, is in response to something unfavorable. Whereas the question of what made you think is a logical question. It appeals to the intellect, sometimes even the will as well, because 
um, what we intend or our 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 um, proneness to certain choices is wired to how we think. So when you get into what made someone think and what made someone think at a deeper level, you get to understand their logic, you get to understand their proneness in terms of their will. Now, there are a couple of follow-up follow questions that you can ask to these three questions of what made you laugh, what made you cry, what made you think. And I would recommend highly using these on a daily basis in a couple setting just to keep in check with what is going on to stay abreast with what is going on in each other's lives in each other's minds because life really does get too bu- get so busy that we don't even have time to have meaningful conversation um i know that a lot of people would ask each other so how was your day and usually the answer to that question is oh my day was fine what was fine about it um or oh, my day was good oh i had such a terrible day usually those those responses are better because you get to ask okay why what happened then the person goes on to explain but when someone says my day was fine you're like oh that's nice that's it the conversation has ended whereas asking these three questions zooms into the reactions that the person had to certain situations in the day what made you laugh what made you cry what made you think and in something if something made my wife laugh cry or think knowing that it caused that reaction in her is less important than knowing why it caused the reaction hence why i said there are a couple of follow up questions that you can ask so if i ask my wife what made you laugh i'm not necessarily concerned with what made her laugh more than i am concerned with why that particular thing made her laugh Yes, I'm going to pay attention to what made her laugh or what made her cry or think, but my main aim is getting into the getting to the bottom of why that particular thing made her laugh, cry or think. And everyone around her in um the moment when she reacts can see that she is laughing, crying or sometimes thinking, but only I will be privy to the reasons for such reactions. And not only this, I will have the information about how she reacts in different situations which will inform how I act toward her in 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 future and how to elicit or avoid the same reactions in future like for instance if I know something made my wife cry um cry tears of sadness I know okay I should avoid doing or saying that thing because it's likely to make her cry if it made her laugh or she found amusement in it then i understand okay this is something that she probably likes she's interested in i might consider doing that thing replicating it or doing some derivative of that thing to make sure that i elicit a similar response and then if something made her think understanding why it made her think helps me know okay this is how she thinks this is how she considers things these are opinions etc etc and all of this will contribute positively and add so much value in me truly knowing my spouse now all of this is good to know but if it is not applied correctly you will reap the negative outcomes of omitting it so essentially what i'm saying is that our experiences are not the issue they are usually a symptom of a deeper underlying issue so if you are unhappy with the state of your marriage or your sex life 
with your husband or wife, it is merely a symptom of a deeper issue. And my conviction in my experience is that the root cause is often a mismatch in interests or a lack of satisfying the needs of the other. Because, I mean, very few wives are open to the idea of sex with a husband who does not meet their emotional needs. Just like few husband want to, few husbands would want to have sex with um, a nagging, disrespectful wife. So it's not that they do not want to have sex. It is just that the person they are willing to do it with has to be the right person. It has to be a person who checks these boxes. A respectful person, a person who's submissive in the case of a wife, um, in the case of a husband, someone who takes care of their emotional needs and various other needs. And I'd recommend reading the book titled His Needs, Her Needs by Willard F. Harley. That's a great book in understanding the typical needs of a man and the typical needs of a wife in a marriage settings setting. Now, here are some uh, thought-provoking questions for you um, in terms of what I've covered in this podcast. The first is, are you the right person for your spouse? The second is, are you the right person for the vision you have for your marriage and your sex life? Now, whatever the answer is to these questions, just remember that being always precedes living in a particular reality so you have to be something before you live in the reality of being that thing i hope i'm making sense i need to qualify as a chartered accountant before i can operate as a chartered accountant and what i mean to say is that for me to have a better marriage and sex life i have to become a person worthy of life in such a reality and this all begins by doing the stuff that I mentioned and becoming a person who is knowledgeable and truly knowing your spouse. And I believe that if you use the principles that I set out in this episode, you are one step ahead and you're, you are, you are miles into your success journey and building a great sex life with your spouse. Now, I hope this has been a blessing to you. And if it has, please like, subscribe, and share this podcast with your loved ones and people that are close to you. If you're listening to this and your spouse hasn't heard it, please make sure that they hear it too so that you could be on the same wavelength and you could have a conversation about whatever it is that you have learned from this podcast. Now, sharing, liking, subscribing, all of these things, they help a great deal in sharing the message of this podcast and that is great sex is possible for christian couples and it also helps us grow our community of fulfilled marriages that are centered on fulfilled families rather fulfilled families that are centered on fulfilled marriages now i hope you stay blessed and enjoy the rest of your day as always peace and love